Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels, winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Hello, so good to uh, be with you today, um, especially if you are watching uh, right now uh, from one of our sites uh, across uh, Brighton. So uh, good to see you if you are in uh, Third Heaven Hove, uh, Omnipotent Oasis or Shekinah Shoreham. Look it up. Uh, it's my privilege uh, to be kicking us off in our Advent series, our Advent series, and we'll be, uh, God willing, uh, taking three weeks and to look at uh, Hebrews chapter one and Hebrews chapter two, undoubtedly uh, one of the high points of scripture. And as we go along, our messages will be getting, I, I hope, increasingly Christmassy. Um, but I did say that uh, we are beginning our Advent series. I didn't say that we're beginning our Christmas series. Uh, that's because Christmas, as we know, is a time of, of joy, of celebration, uh, and actually a time of release as we mark the birth of Jesus, the Saviour. Advent, then, is the time uh, that precedes Christmas. It's the time that runs up to Christmas, and that time in biblical history is marked by a longing, a yearning for the Saviour to come. Uh, Meaning that if Christmas is the, the popping of the bottle of champagne, Advent is very much the, the stirring up of that bottle, the, the shaking of it, uh, creating tension, awaiting the, the, the new wine of Jesus to appear. Uh, the old hymn puts it well. It says this, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And you may relate to this kind of longing, 
Perhaps you're in a season of life where you are yearning, longing, desperate for Jesus to be Emmanuel, as we've just read. Jesus to be God with us, for him to show up, for him to help you in your situation. Well, if that's you, take heart. Because the book of Hebrews is written to people such as yourself. People who are under pressure, struggling as they navigate a, 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 a culture hostile to Christianity. A people that are tempted even to go back to their old ways of life. But perhaps you're, you're not in that camp. Perhaps you say, well, I don't think I need Jesus at all, much less kind of long for him. Well, well it's kind of like if you kind of get used to drinking bottles of Lambrini from behind the bins at school uh, versus drinking a, a, a proper wine. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 uh, comes into your life uh, to wean you off a uh, wine costing pound eighty from your local Nisa. Uh, Hebrews 1 comes into your life today to, to broaden your taste buds. And one of the ways that it does this is by, uh, well, I should say this, the message, not just in Hebrews 1, but that the book of Hebrews is, is Jesus is better. Uh, don't return back to the inferior. Uh, be that angels, be that the occult, be that your old life, be that the priesthood, which we'll get into, or be it Lambrini Bianco. And one of the ways that the, book of Hebrews uh, seeks to expand our palates is by declaring Jesus as the long-awaited and divine prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. And look, I wasn't born yesterday. I'm very, very aware that in our culture, uh, prophets are generally seen as wacky, uh, priests are generally seen as irrelevant, and kings are generally seen, in our context anyway, as symbolic. So, who cares? Even if Jesus is this kind of uber prophet, priest, king thing, what does it, what does it really matter? To which I'd say, uh, there's that Lambrini again. Uh, because by, by reintroducing us to these uh, ancient concepts, the writer to the Hebrews is actually reintroducing you to, to you. He's reintroducing you to your original call as a human. He's introducing you to your ancestors He's introducing you to your ancient ancestors, right back to the first man and the woman in the garden, our first parents. Because on page one of the Bible, God calls humanity to be all of these things. With God creating humanity and calling them to be priests and kings on the earth. We were called to be kings. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, where God tasks humanity to subdue the earth, to fill it, and to have dominion. Uh, these are all kind of kingly calls. 
Uh, God would seek and choose to rule the world through humanity created in his image. Uh, giving us a great authority to, to govern, to steward, to administer, to rule. We were called to be kings. But we were also called to be priests. In that we were called to have access to God. Where do we see this? Well, we see this in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. It was given to us to, to represent God and minister God to creation. And it was given to us to, to, to represent creation before God. We were called to be priests. But we were also called to be prophets in that it was given to humanity to uh, reveal who God is and what he's like and given to us to speak for him and on his behalf as his ambassadors. We were called to be prophets. Meaning that prophet, priest, king, right from the very beginning have been sacred calls woven deep, deep, deep into what it means to be a human. Being no less foundational to the human experiences, trees, with them all finding their origin on, on page one of the Bible. Therefore, to, to disregard these concepts would be to as would be to be as irresponsible as disregarding the importance of trees to the human experience. To consider prophet, priest, king irrelevant is to be irreverent to him who created us. All this to say that God patiently prepared you in your mother's womb with these three thoughts in mind. Prophet, priest, king. How are those taste buds doing? But, and there is a but. Have you ever looked in the, um, in the mirror and stared kind of intently at your, your own eyes for kind of any length of time? The reality is this, the reality is that as, as humans, if we're being honest with ourselves, we struggle to see this high call on us from God. But why? Well, if I might be so bold, it's because we, we feel guilty. It's because we feel ashamed of ourselves. We just, we just do. You and I know that we have sinned before God. Just like, just like our first parents did in the garden, Adam and Eve. And it was their sin, their original sin, that actually caused this, this virus of sin 
that we're all dealing with and all living with right now to spread to everyone and everything. And really what we see in the Old Testament of the Bible, the time before Jesus came, is, is God's action uh, to this original issue of sin that started in the garden. And as we turn the pages of the Old Testament, we see God would deal with it and begin to deal with it by, by choosing a people on the earth for the blessing of all the peoples of the earth. Uh, God would start this by uh, choosing a man named Abraham and deciding to work through his descendants who would uh, later be referred to as Israel. God, uh, as history would progress, uh, as we turn again the pages of the Old Testament, uh, God would, 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 would uh, choose this people, this, this nation Israel, and usher in a, a new era, uh, an era where uh, God would uh, put this threefold call uh, from the background very much to the foreground. Uh, God would establish prophet, priest, king as unique offices or, or unique, let's call them, divisions. Calling some to be full-time prophets with God giving them authority to speak to the nation, to nations and to key leaders. Uh, God would call some to be full-time priests giving them authority to offer animal sacrifices on behalf of the nation. God would call some to be full-time kings, to lead the nation as a shepherd. Trouble was, uh, with the prophets, some of them were the writers of the books of the Old Testament. As, though they're heroes, they sinned, and, and most sinned in a in a Big way, in big ways. The trouble with the priests was they were exhausted. They were knackered. They never really got the chance to sit down, constantly offering sacrifices for, them, for, for themselves, let alone the nation. Uh, the problem with the uh, kings was that, for the most part, they were off on their own agendas, meaning that this kind of period in history, this era that God would establish in, in uh, we can read about through the Old Testament, uh, wouldn't really solve the problem. <laughs> if anything, it would highlight the problem and underline it, which means that God didn't employ this full-time Old Testament personnel to solve the problem. God did it so that <laughs> he would point to the one who would solve the problem. He did it so that it would create something of a longing in us, a yearning for the, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate king, the ultimate priest, cause us to desire him and to recognise him when he would arrive. Which brings us to Advent this time, this period that we're in, this period of longing. And with that as a background, it's Hebrews now, Hebrews 1 can now come in. And the message to the Hebrews once again is, Jesus is better. 
don't go back to the inferior. Don't go back to the inferior. And Hebrews 1 uh, begins by saying this. It says, long ago, long ago. Uh, it's, it's referring to the time that we have been discussing, the time of the Old Testament from the creation of the world to about four or five hundred years before Jesus came. Long ago. It goes on to say, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. What God would do here is, as the centuries of history would progress, God would uh, uh, speak through the lips of these, these spokesmen, these, these prophets, declaring something um, of what he was like and something of his holiness and his character. And, and he would do this and he'd be, he did this in his good pleasure. He was very happy to do this. But it's important to note that uh, this was really done <laughs> in preparation for God himself to come. It's kind of like God would speak through the prophets in waiting for this moment where God himself would set foot on the earth. And he would set foot on the earth in the person of Jesus, uh, with Jesus himself not coming to cancel all that went before, but coming to confirm it. Uh, coming as the crescendo, coming as the climax, coming as the culmination to centuries of prior revelation, coming as the perfect prophet. With it saying in Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. The exact imprint. Humanity was given authority to speak through being made in the image of God. But Jesus speaks with the authority of God being the image of God. Jesus wasn't made in the image of God. He is the image. Again, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus speaks the words of God as the word of God. What Jesus utters, God utters. What Jesus speaks, God speaks. If Jesus coughs, God coughs. Jesus being the, in these last days, it says, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is very much the final and the definitive revelation of God. Jesus is the prophet that you need. But the reality is that we, we do, even in our 21st century culture, uh, we, we, it's not like we don't have our own prophets. Uh, we have uh, many prophets in amongst us. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, we seek out prophets when we're looking um, uh, to predict uh, future house prices, to uh, predict uh, the FTSE, to predict where Bitcoin or Ethereum are going. Uh, some uh, amongst us perhaps will even turn to the forces of darkness, going to the occult, going to kind of um, uh, horoscopes, going to tarot, etc. Perhaps, well, even amongst us, some may, I suppose, not just uh, seek out prophets, but kind of try and be prophets. 
Uh, you can see this in kind of betting or, or my personal favourite, uh, fantasy football. I'm not saying these things are bad. I mean, some of, some of them are bad. But I'm not saying that they're bad. But the point that I'm making is that profits in our 20, 21st century society, they're everywhere. We seek them out. It's, it's actually normal. But I will say this, that no one speaks with the authority of Jesus. <laughs> so much authority that when Jesus speaks, the world is created. And that's what we see very much in, in the book of Hebrews. It says uh, Jesus created the world in verse 2. And what's interesting is Jesus didn't create the world by building or by sculpting or by molding. He created the world by speaking. Uh, Hebrews would, would double down on this claim that, in fact, it was Jesus that created the world. Later on in Hebrews chapter 1, it says this in reference to Jesus, and you, O Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. When God wanted to create the world, he gave the task to Jesus, his son. With Jesus not just being the, the last word from God, but with Jesus being the first words from God. The first words from God in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light. Therefore, Jesus is the word of God who by his voice spoke everything into existence. And in the same way, Jesus is the word of God who by his voice sustains everything in existence. It's what it says in Hebrews, he upholds the universe by the word of his power or by his powerful word with it being Jesus who as we speak is sustaining the the molecules and particles in you that make you you it is by his word that I am able to finish these words meaning that Jesus Jesus speaks for God like no one else in history is able to. No one on earth, no one under the earth, no one in heaven. Jesus is the perfect prophet. But we see more. We see that Jesus is not only the perfect prophet, but he's also the perfect priest. With it saying again in Hebrews chapter 1, after making purification for sins after making purification for sins. See, this, the thing with sin is that sin stains us before God. And while we can't see these mysterious stains, we, we can certainly feel them. It's that, that feeling of guilt that you feel when you do something dishonourable. It's that feeling of shame we feel when we, we compromise ourselves or we ourselves 
are compromised by another. And while you can't kind of, kind of prove or explain guilt and shame, even by science, the reality is that the feeling and the experience is just as real as the sins that they point to. And the best way for me to explain it is, is, is like this. It's, it's almost like if you sort of are doing some DIY and sort of classic, you know, you hammer your thumb, you feel pain. Now we know that the pain is something of an alarm to tell you that there's something urgently wrong. Uh, well, guilt and shame kind of do the same work. There, there, there's something of an alarm to tell you that you've injured yourself. There's something desperately wrong that, that you've contaminated yourself. This is why we need Jesus, the perfect priest, to come in and make purification. And while, while priests in our kind of day and age are generally seen as kind of uh, uh, people that are, you know, dog collar wearing, robe wearing, sort of strange people. Uh, and not for me. Uh, I grew up in the Church of England. I kind of like the dog collar and robe thing. I think they're pretty cool. Actually, I've uh, been in touch with uh, uh, Steve Walford, uh, Matt Davis and Dave Brading, and they have agreed um, to uh, start wearing dog collars and robes every single Sunday uh, for the rest of this year and throughout 2022. And because they're men of their word, they need to stick to this pledge. So if you're at the sites right now, make sure you hold them to it for the next year and one month. Um, but that aside, um, though I'm a fan of the dog collar thing, um, take it or leave it, um, you know, it's, it's all right, it's not a big deal to me. The, our culture generally isn't, <laughs> generally isn't. Uh, they kind of, in our culture, we see uh, priests as kind of weird, celibate um, people, and in certain circumstances, sadly, dangerous. But the, the truth is, the, the role of priest in our society is really more, more in fashion than ever. <laughs> what I mean by that is, you sin, you fall from grace, you get caught up in a scandal, you call Oprah. With Oprah assuming the position of great high priest of our generation. And though we are modern, it kind of works a lot like the Old Testament priesthood that we've been talking about worked. In that the candidate comes and, and there is a time of confession and, and ultimately they are looking for some sort of forgiveness or some comfort uh, with a view to being absolved and, and being uh, kind of allowed back, if you like, into the community. Welcome back in. Trouble is, uh, with Oprah, um, you only get one shot. <laughs> it's a, it's a one-time deal. So what happens next time you mess up, next time you sin, next time you get caught out and, and, and Ellen isn't available? <laughs> other, others, other examples of this in our culture are YouTube apology videos. YouTube apology videos. This is when a star gets caught up in some unpleasantness and uh, records a, a video, posts it on YouTube and apologizes, um, not to God, uh, but to people who are being put in the position 
of priests. Uh, the truth is we in our 21st century society may not so much go to uh, men with dog collars, but we truly have no fewer priests amongst us. Mercifully, for those of us that can't afford a friendship with Oprah, uh, Hebrews 1 uh, gives us an alternative, a better version, the original version. Jesus, who it says makes purification for our sins. He makes purification. Hebrews verse chapter 10, verse 5 uh, says this. Jesus speaks through these words. He says, sacrifices and offerings I have not desired. This means you don't need to make it up to God. You don't need a priest to absolve you. You don't need to punish yourself or offer sacrifices because Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has himself become the sacrifice. The Old Testament priests used to sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats, but the Bible tells us that though they were commanded to do this, they never actually really did anything, this blood of bulls and goats. Jesus comes, not, not offering up the blood of bulls and the blood of goats, but he offers up himself as the sacrifice. And it is Christ that is our advocate what that means is it's Jesus who is the one that speaks for you. It is Jesus that is the one that prays for you. It is Jesus that's the one that champions you. Why? Because Jesus is the greater Oprah. Therefore, you can, you can come to Jesus, stained as you are. <laughs> you, you don't have to clear yourself up. I tell you, in fact, more than that, you, you mustn't clean yourself up. Because it is Jesus and only Jesus that is able to purify you and cleanse you from the inside out. Dealing with your conscience, dealing with the guilt and the shame that you grapple with. Jesus is the perfect priest. And lastly, uh, we don't just see Jesus as the perfect prophet or the perfect priest, but we we also see him as the perfect king. This is what it says. After making purification for sins, he sat down. He sat down. Now we've discussed the fact that Old Testament priests didn't sit down, but Jesus is the priest that does sit down. Aside from that, uh, this kind of sitting down is something of the posture of a king. And I, 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 time would fail me to discuss the times or discuss the ways in which our society has its own kings, its own uh, people or, 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 or things that uh, we are ruled by or, 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 or follow. But Jesus is a different kind of king to the, the kings that we may have in our life. Jesus is what the Bible <laughs> declares, the, the king of all kings. Uh, Jesus would begin as the king who came down and Jesus would finish as the king who sat down. With Jesus taking the, the, the seat of most authority in the universe, sat at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
Jesus, Jesus is the king for two reasons. And the two reasons are given in, in what we had read for us. Uh, the first reason is, I suppose, fairly simple. Uh, Jesus is the king because he is the creator owner. <laughs> he created everything. He is the, the holder of creation's patent. But Jesus is the king for a second reason that Hebrews chapter 1 gives. And, and that is, I suppose, uh, a little bit more uh, unusual or uh, intriguing in one sense. Different. It says that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king because he is made the king. He has bestowed the kingship. He inherits it. He is heir to it, to use its language. This is what it says. Jesus was appointed the heir of all things. That is to say that Jesus is the owner because he created, but Jesus is the heir because he incarnated. He became a man. Jesus is the heir to everything that he already owns. I took a walk with um, a friend from this church um, just recently and he, he was posing the question that is perhaps on your mind. He said to me, why on earth would Jesus be the heir to everything that he already owns? And I get it. It's kind of like, are you, the, are you the king or not? We're saying you're the, the perfect king, the great king. So if you're the king, then you, you own stuff. You don't need to inherit stuff because you're the king. Everything is yours. Which is it? Well, that, that, is, that is actually a really good question. And let me answer it by saying this. If Jesus never came at Christmas, he'd still be the king. Because he, as we've said, he created everything. But let me say this. If Jesus never came at Christmas, where would you be? No. Jesus came for you. Jesus came to inherit you. The difference between Jesus being owner and Jesus being inheritor is you. If you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are the inheritance of God. Jesus sees you as his prize, the reward of his labor, the crown of his inheritance. And just as a high-ranking military official is, official is bestowed with yet another medal to honour his service with distinction, you are that medal pinned on the lapel of Jesus by God the Father. And he, he wears you with pride. The Bible says at the end of time, he will confess your name to the holy angels and to God the Father. Talking about you. This is my, this is my brother. This is, this is my sister. He, he, he can't, can't get enough. He, 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 he's so pleased <laughs> to be associated with you. 
you're his reward. And if that, if that isn't enough, <laughs> Jesus didn't just come to inherit you. He also came to inherit with you. With Jesus giving up his sole beneficiary status so that he as king could share everything he owns with you. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't rent out to you. No, he, he puts your name on the deed. He, he, he hands you a set of keys. He would even go so far as to restore us to our original call and mandate. This is what Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, says about Christians. It says, Christians are a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. A royal priesthood. Kings and priests once again. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you as a prophet. I tell you, a, a longing for anything less than this, a yearning for anything less than all Jesus might be for you through faith. I tell you, it's just Lambrini. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just amazed at, at you <laughs> and, um, and what you would do for us. We thank you that you came down to be prophet, priest and king for us and prophet, priest and king to us. And Lord Jesus, we say, we do confess that we do need you. We do long for you. We do long for more of you leading us as king. We do long for more of you speaking to us as prophet. Lord, we do long for more of you just purifying and healing us, making us holy. Oh, Lord, forgive us where we've disregarded these key concepts, these key realities of you. And Lord, we just pray and long for more of you in our lives. So come, Lord Jesus, be mightily amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen.